Hello and welcome. My name is Brian and you're listening to Friends and Music with Brian Doherty. That's me. A podcast about all things music for those who are obsessed by it. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on this show, please feel free to get in touch. Also, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on your chosen platform. And thank you for listening. My guest today is J.D. Foster. J.D. is an international music producer and multi-instrumentalist who has received critical acclaim across genres. From his early Dwight Yoakam days through to his collaborations with Mark Rebo, Patty Griffin, Calexico, Lucinda Williams, Green on Red, The Silos, Il Pan del Diablo, and many more, Foster continues to explore all avenues of music and all variety of artistry. In this show, J.D. and I talk about how he began in, in the music business in Gainesville and ended up in Los Angeles in Dwight Yoakam's band. We also chat about his work as a record producer and songwriter. We touch upon the time he and I were roommates in Gainesville, Florida, while we were recording a record with the silos. Years back, I wrote about these experiences during the recording sessions, but this is the first time J.D. and I go on record together. Coincidentally, it's been exactly 30 years since those silos recording sessions. At the beginning of this episode, JD and I decided to leave in some of our pre-interview conversation, so you'll hear us banter a bit before we get to the meat and potatoes. It was great to reunite with JD, and I hope you enjoy listening as much I enjoyed our conversation. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm, you know, I, I uh, moved up to the Chicago area about a year ago uh, with my right. fiance Violet. We've been oh, together. Congratulations! Thank you. We've been together like seven years now, and moved. Uh, she moved here basically because her grandkids are here, okay. or why she wanted to move here. Uh, she has a daughter here that with three kids, so they're you know they're in that zone where <laughs> you yeah. know they've got. You know, you know, from with their uh, five, seven, and and nine. So you know, it's like in the thick of it. But um, uh, you know, I really love it here. In uh, it, it, we're in Park Ridge, which is a north. Uh, I don't know if you know. It's like just you know, we're a mile from the Chicago line. Yeah, I know. Three directions. I know Evanston. Yeah, yeah, we're you know we're a little. Uh, uh, we're in that north uh, suburb, but we're right. west of that, we're, and we're not quite as far north as Evanston. Uh, but you know, it's really—I it, I mean, uh, it's a really nice little uh, Pleasantville, USA kind of. There vibe. you go. Yeah, uh, it's great. You know, but uh, and it, and it's funny because you know I haven't. Um, I've I've really been kind of sour on just like music, <laughs> certainly music business for oh really a while. how is how could that be. Yeah, how could that be? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how could that be? Uh, no, and you know, and so when I was, we were living out for like five years, or living out about halfway out Long Island, you mm-hmm. know, and and in Long Island, it seemed to me there were like a couple, a couple of very uh, narrow musical paths, you know, like maybe you do a really bad blues band with a bunch of other white guys, yeah, um, 
<laughs> or, <Yeah>. <laughs> or, you know, like there were a couple of gigs in restaurants, you know, playing James Taylor songs and stuff like that. Right. It seemed like, and just not very, it wasn't particularly interesting. I mean, Kat, I have a friend named John Abbey. Do you know, do you know John? He's a no, bass I don't. player. I don't. Uh, I met him, you know, years ago and, uh, I don't know. You're recording all this stuff, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm with JD. I'm recording, but we but we can start at a um, this this can be a preamble. We can start at a, at a designated spot, you know. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm just. I mean, I'm guessing you're editing this. Oh stuff. yeah, yeah. No, 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 none of this will be in. I'm just recording for the sake of uh, just. No, I mean, I'm happy to. I'm just saying. I'm, I don't know if I'm telling you stuff that might be that I'm going to want to. Maybe I should let you direct here, so I can. I don't want to cover ground that we're going to talk about anyway. No, it's all okay. But when we get to the part of that guy sucks or, well, you know, then we'll, yeah. then we'll edit that part out. No, that's good. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You can wash my ass. Good that I'll, I'll feel freer about <laughs> talking about a couple No. <laughs> that so motherfucker, good. he still owes me 10 we bucks. Gonna, <laughs> we're going to talk about the silos? Is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. You know what? So <laughs> let's let's do this. Let's. Yeah. So basically this this can be a short as you feel comfortable and yeah. it could be as long as let's say 55 to 60 minutes. Okay, and great. if at that point we're just having, it, it, we're, we're on a roll, we'll figure out a way to have an even break point. We'll continue. And then I'll split it into two segments. Part one, part whatever two. you feel like, I can't yeah. imagine that you'd have one of, that anyone would love it, want to listen to two hours of me talking. About you know what? Whatever. <laughs> hey, there might be two or three people out there. You never know. Yeah, it could be. Except for you know, I'm, I'm looking at one here, and she's like, "I'm tired of this guy already." <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, but, uh, and yeah. Um, so, and and then basically, I'm not going to do any editing other than trimming beginning and end. Sure, sure. And I then, mean, and obviously, you could you could edit to you know to do whatever you want, as far as I'm concerned, because again, it's like. Uh, you know, I'm sure you have a, a following, but I can't imagine <laughs> it being a bunch of clickbait to say, "Oh, no. I'm talking to this." <laughs> <laughs> no, this, no, no, it's gonna, it's gonna, gonna, it's gonna like, be great. Really provocative pictures, you know. Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those I, I, I don't have those anymore. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> what, what we're gonna start by? Um, I'll just let you briefly introduce yourself and okay. and what what it is that you do. And I guess we're going to keep in mind that there could be some non musicians listening, some people who aren't familiar oh, cool. with you know the Great. producing you know the the chain of the production chain of um, producing music and what it's like to play on the road. So I find myself sometimes asking very basic questions. You know, so Great. if if we go there, we'll just lay it out for you know kindergarten kindergarten style for people who. Maybe Sounds good to me, yeah. you know. And you know, feel free to stop to stop me and uh, ask for clarification if I forget that. Ab absolutely. <laughs> so we'll start in three, two, one. And it's, good morning, JD. How are you? I'm fine, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Great to see you. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a really long time. Good to see you as well. Um, JD, JD, can you briefly describe what it is that you do and a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I have a long-time uh, bassist, as you know, um, and that means playing playing the bass guitar mostly in uh, all kinds of uh, all kinds of musical combos. I've also, uh, in the last twenty-five years, <laughs> uh, been. Uh, I know I don't look that old, but uh, oh, you're not. It's <laughs> no video anyway, but. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> in the last 25 years or so, I've really been focusing on record production and, and particularly really like uh, of late, really like mixing records. Mm-hmm. And by record production, I mean the, the, you know, the, the, the direction of, of making uh, records with right. artists. Right. I was on your Wikipedia page actually earlier and it's separated into, it's separated like by, by geography. It's like JD and Florida days, right, Texas, right. LA days, Texas days. <laughs> it was like a, it was like a route 66 lyric. <laughs> um, take yeah. us, take us back to Florida. Tell, tell us about how you got into this. What, what, what got you going and so on? Well, um, I was, uh, I, you know, I, um, I was, I was talking to, to Violet earlier, actually about, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll can that. Let me see. Let me try again. <laughs> um, I was, um, I, yeah, I saw your little, uh, sheet and you ask about like, you know, uh, did you feel like you've been wanting to do this for a long time? Uh, <laughs> and, the and, answer's and, yes. <laughs> yeah. The answer is yes. <laughs> Since I was a little kid, uh, I was, um, you know, um, basically, I, I'll tell you a story. Um, I was um, applying for a job at um, Hyde Zeke's records store in Gainesville. Um, and I, I remember. Long, yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, yeah. Really good guys that ran that store. Um, and uh, I was, you know, I've been, been a long time musician at the time a long time pro musician, but you know, things were a little fallow at, the, at that given moment. Right. So, uh, I, you know, and, uh, I uh, put in an application and I used a picture that I found at my mom's house of me at about four years old, wearing a cowboy outfit and playing a little, you know, ukulele and singing. So, I, you know, I'll defer to that picture as to, you know, how, how early I uh, wanted to do what nice, what I, part of what I did. And then, you know, and then, uh, I certainly remember the Monday in February going back to school after the Beatles had been on uh, Ed Sullivan the first time. And that just fucked everybody up. That was like every kid, uh, every kid was mind was blown by that. And that certainly affected me, uh, you know, to like, that looks like a good job. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I never quite got that job, but uh, <laughs> you get where I'm coming from. <laughs> There's still hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? So, you, you, yeah. Tell it. You, you sound like a maybe a guitar center ad there or something. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're what? So so go back to the hide and Zeke. Do you actually end, end up working for the at, at the record store? I did. I worked at actually. I worked a. In fact, a couple of my longest term friends, people that I've known the longest, that I'm still in touch with, I worked with in the early 70s, right out of high school in Orlando, Florida at a, at a record store. Okay. Yeah. To, you know, a buddy of mine who I see all the time when I go to Florida is like a guy that uh, I wouldn't have known otherwise, you know, this record store that, uh, that, uh, that um, I worked in. So I was, you know, I was always interested in records, really. Right. As well as playing, and so um, yeah, I did work at Hide and Zeke's, and then that was an interesting thing because you were, you know, they instructed you what how to. It was really a guy named Bogney Peak, uh, who uh, who interesting character, 
but taught you how to grade, you know, used records. It was a buy and sell kind of record. Uh -huh. So that was really interesting. So you met, you know, and I definitely met, you know, a bunch of freaks working in record stores. How do you, how do you grade used records by the, by the quality of it or by the genre or something? Or? Well, both, you know, by the condition. I mean, you know, there was a time when, uh, you know, uh, you didn't buy a copy of Frampton Comes Alive because you have 47 of them in the back right. room already, you know? Right. Uh, you know, so it was, yeah, it, it's, it was, you know, you learn like what would be desirable and what would be, you know, uh, I mean, you know, it's, uh, as, as you know, that a, a John Coltrane record is desi very desirable to yes. certain people, but, you know, you don't want to have, you don't want to order 10,000 of them. Right. <laughs> Maybe right. now, but. Yes, exactly, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, if you're in the right neighborhood. But, yeah. Those are always good at garage sales because I'm, I'm I'm always pleased that no one's buying the Miles and the uh, Charlie yeah. Parker and the John Coltrane records. Sure, yeah, yeah, one man's <laughs> trash, of course, absolutely, you know. But I mean, you know, somebody somebody obviously got him in the first place to be at that garage sale, but right. that was like the weird uncle or something. It's like, right. yeah, that guy like weird Ooh, shit. That guy's yeah. really jazz in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't run into too many used Albert Eiler records, period. Right. Yeah. yeah, whatever. But. Was was Tom Petty in Gainesville at that time? He was not at that time. Or uh, there was a, you know, we uh, we kind of probably passed around the, yeah, I, I would say when I was mostly there, he had already gotten, you know, was just getting in, settled in L.A. So it's funny. So Go ahead. So was there a music scene in Gainesville? I mean, do you, do you find Absolutely. yourself going from the record store to networking with local musicians and so on? Absolutely. Well, the record store, like I said, I was already kind of like, uh, you know, a reasonably sized fish in the Gainesville pond. I mean, I'd already been playing there for years and had like a, I mean, you know, people knew who I was. Uh, uh, I mean, people who went out to hear music, I'd already been playing uh, I'm trying to think about because I worked at the record store just before I moved to California, like for okay. about about two years, I guess. And so, you know, I'd, I'd already been in several uh, like people that you and I that you probably met through me, uh, you know, uh, or friends of mine. The guy, in fact, the guy who loaned us uh, the B15 <laughs> that yeah. we used on the silos. I mean, the the, the, the SVT amp you know, was a guy I knew from those days, you know, like playing around. And and at, and at that time, I wasn't sure that I was that in touch with your, I, I knew you had Florida roots, but I, mm -hmm. I wasn't absolutely certain or what wasn't that in touch with your Gainesville history, you know, right, that, right. that, that you were coming home to Gainesville essentially. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I, I only lived there for about uh, four or five years or something like that. However, you know, I've been, I had played with a, a guy named David Russell, uh, who lived there, and uh, and, a, and the guy named Jim Connor. And mm -hmm. so I'd played at the, used to play at the, at the at the at the music hall at the Florida Theater. We used right. to play there like for two weeks at a time. In fact, <laughs> you know, um, they were it was a little different setup. Obviously, it was closed when we were there. I I don't think they were using it for anything. Were they? We were in they used it for crazy. one show. I remember having to scrap everything for one symphony concert, like on a Saturday. Oh, interesting. And yeah. then that was it. Because I saw like Van Morrison and, you know, uh, Jesse Cullen Young and sort of that, uh, you know, what adult oriented rock yeah, kind of, of course. things were, were at that theater. And it was 
I guess it was like maybe like it's like 900 seats or something like that. Yeah. I saw weather report there the first nice. time I saw weather report. Unbelievable. You know, I saw Jaco Casorius was reading charts. Really? At, at the Gainesville show. <laughs> nice. I saw him a few months. I saw him a few months later in Orlando and he's jumping off the amplifier. No charts at that point. <laughs> you know? But the first gig at the, at, the, at the Florida theater, you know, it's like Casorius is reading charts. Yeah. He's know? glued Amazing. to the music stand. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, uh, and, but, um, Anyway, the uh, <laughs> so uh, so you know I I uh, I would uh, I mean, play with Jim Connor. We played two weeks at a time at the Florida Theater at the backstage right. bar. It was called at the time, and uh, I remember like you know they had movies and there was a movie I guess that started about oh I, don't know, I guess one started about five or six. You know they had the early show right. And I go, <laughs> I remember one stint we were there. I went and saw, I went and saw Taxi Driver like yeah. 14 straight days. In a row. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you any insight to what a professional musician right. is like. Taxi Driver <laughs> was the opener for the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, before I went to work, for, right. you know, you know, play four hours, you know, from whatever nine to two, I'd go see Taxi Driver for every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> But so, yeah, I have some Gainesville history, but, it, you know, so, you know, that uh, I was playing around a good bit, even when I was working at the record store. Just- so so when you're starting out then, or, by the way, is bass your first instrument? What What is your first uh, instrument? I was actually, I you know, I, uh, I played around Orlando, which is where I uh, most I mean, I, that's that's where I, I we moved to Orlando when I was in fourth grade. Mm hmm. Uh, and so I, you know, I think of, I think of myself as growing up in Orlando anyway. Uh, and so I was, I had a, a band and played the first professional game when I was 14, but I was playing guitar at the time. Okay. So no, it's like, basically there were a couple of really good guitar players that I went to high school with. And it's like, I switched the bass because, you know, it was like, that whole thing about like be the worst guy in the room, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so you could learn, you know, yeah. so I switched the bass and it just, it, it, it felt really easy. So I could play with much better guitar players than right. me <laughs> if I switched the bass. And, and then I just really liked it, you know, felt, felt right. Seems, seems to be a common thread. It's almost like the violinist switching to viola. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more, you know, yeah. more opportunity. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe like Mary, fun, like, you know, like our friend, Mary. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, basically. yes, indeed, indeed. So, what brings you to Los Angeles after that? Do you do you have an opportunity, or yeah, you know, <laughs> that's really funny. It, it really comes from a Tommy Tedesco guitar method book. Let's hear Tommy it. Tedesco, for those who don't know, is is a I feel legendary session guitar player. Have uh, you seen the Wrecking Crew movie? I have seen it. Yeah. yeah, his son put that. His son yes. is, uh, is the guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Great, but um, you know, fantastic movie for anybody who's interested. In, he, yeah, I, I would recommend it hi- highly as well. But he just cracks me up as like a funny. He's got a well, very you know, he won the Gong Show one episode. You know that, right? The <laughs> no, Tommy I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> he, uh, he, first of all, Tommy Tedesco was a big, you know. Uh, uh, you know, gritty Italian American. Yeah. Yeah. 
And he's like, you know, probably in his mid fifties at the time, he comes out in a pink freaking tutu and leotard uh-huh. <laughs> with a ukulele. And he sings, in the fifties, I was king in the sixties. I was nothing, you know, yeah. and he wins the gong show, <laughs> you know, awesome. I gotta go back and check it out. Yeah. Hilarious. And I am much, much later, you know, got to hang out with him and play with him in Eugene, Oregon, when I was oh, up nice. there doing a gig much later, yeah. uh, you know, and got to tell him this story. It's like, in his book, I mean, and it's got guitar method in it. I actually saw him do a clinic in Eugene, and he's hilarious. He's like, okay, guys, you know, like, just, he said, guitar players, like, play the fastest shit you can, can and end up on the, you know, the highest tonic note. And he goes, and you're a genius. You know, he's like, <laughs> he's just like doing it, you know, hit the high D, and it's like, you know, and it, but so, you know, the, that, this is basically what his method book has all this like goofy stuff in it, but it's right. all has these great stories. Yeah. But one, the one thing he said that really resonated to me, you know, being, like I said, in Gainesville, Florida, where I'm like, okay, I'm working at this record store. People know me and stuff. And, you know, but I'm working at this record store because, because I need to pay the rent. You know? right, right. It's like, it's not, it wasn't, you know, by playing gigs, which I did. So he's like, you know, if you're if you're if you're gonna do something in music, you know, being a big fish in the small pond, it's like, okay, that's great. But if you really want to do something, you better go someplace where they do music. Right. And so I was considering New York at the time, but I played this guy. I don't even remember his name, but I did some. I did an early kind of uh, uh, session, you know, uh, uh, a bass session for the guy at his home. He had a home studio and I was putting together stuff and I remember it being quite good. And uh, uh, anyway, you know, but part payment, I got an amplifier out of the deal, but okay. he was moving to New York to make his guy from Gainesville was okay. going to move to New York to make his fortune, you know, uh, this, you know, uh, and so he packs up his Econoline and drives up to New York, gets an apartment in the East Village, goes up to unlock the door, comes back, somebody broken into his van and oh. taken everything <laughs> Class, classic new york star welcome to new york right you know this is like 1978 or something yeah. you know way welcome to new york yeah. at that time you know um and so he comes back to florida you know and uh and i hear this story and it's like well came to scratch new york <laughs> there, I, mean, I was really considering three places in the time to ask mode that would be new york nashville and and los angeles right and you know this here's one of the things that you could probably cut out about the, you know, like something sucking, but Nashville has never really done it for me. Right. Uh, right. Even though I've, I've, been I've heard that from other them. people. Yeah. Even though I, I mean, and now it's like the, the hip city, you know, right. it's like, but, and, but it's just, uh, even though I've done a lot of country music, Nashville is not the thing. Well, so let's, 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 let's touch on that later. Cause yeah, I was, I, I was going to bring up that, that you have done a lot of country music. So, right. but, but let's, sure. let's circle back. So anyway, you're, you, you decide to go to LA. Right. So I buy an Econoline, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I bought a you know, 68 Econoline that that's kind of tricked out. Uh, this is 1979, I guess. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's tricked out so I could live it, you know, if right. I needed to. And so I drive out there, deadhead out there with a, you know, like a couple of fender bases and uh I don't know, you know, uh, uh, maybe fifteen hundred bucks in my pocket, and right. uh, and and I had, 
my friend who's a guitar maker, a guy who went to high school with a guy named Mike Tobias, who made uh, kind of famous basses. Gibson bought his name at one point. Mm-hmm. But I, re- I, re- I remember it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tobias Basses. Yeah, good luthier, but he was going out there for the NAMM show. So he's like, yeah, well, why don't you go out the same time I do? And so I went with him to the NAMM. I drove my Econoline, got there, parked it, you know, in the motel parking lot where he was staying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and went to the NAMM show with him for three days. And, you know, and, and you know, I mean, I met a bunch of people, including like Leo Fender. I'm like, holy oh, fuck, wow. you know, I'm, you know, you know, like, <laughs> this is awesome. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, Thank you, Tommy Tedesco. It's like, <laughs> yeah. this, I, I see where you're getting at. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I saw Carol Kay playing bebop with a couple of guys on guitar, you know, like, Oh that, my that God. Of, yeah. You know, at the first NAMM show, 19, yeah. I guess January of 1980. And it was like, uh, it was like, um, it was like totally that I'm going to like this. And it, when it was just, I just had this incredible stream of luck. I had one phone number in my pocket. That was it. I had, you know, Tommy Tedesco telling me like, go someplace where, you know, where stuff happens. Right. Okay. Check. <laughs> you know? And then I had a phone number of a sister of a guy that I had played with at the Florida theater. Right. The guy who, you know, who was playing with me on those dates in the Florida theater. We played a long time. A guy named Jim Lee. I had his sister, Judy's phone number. I called her up and she's like, Oh, cool. You know, like, why don't you, you know, um, come out and hear us play and, and you can stay at my house until you get some things sorted out. It's like awesome, you know. Yeah. I never met her, you know. She's yeah. my, you know, a sister of my my good buddy, but she's also a singer. So I go out the first night. She's dating a guy named Jim Photoglow at the time, and Jim later was like, became you know, uh, he had a couple of, he had a, at least one kind of radio hit, and, and particularly in Japan. But he was like going to go out on tour with the Beach Boys at the time. Oh wow. And then became later became like a Nashville. I ran into him a couple times later in, in Nashville. He became like a big backup singer. So he'd be on like Nashville now and stuff in like the Jordanaires, you know, kind of right. vibe. <laughs> anyway, so so Judy's singing, listen to her for a while. Jim comes in, he goes, Hey, why don't we go over, you know, we'll go over this place, Sweetwater, down the road. And so we go to Sweetwater and and uh, Sweethearts of the Rodeo are playing, and I meet, meet like Vince Gill. You know, Holy crap. This is the first day out yeah. of town, you know? And uh, I mean, I worked with Vince much, much later, yeah. uh, uh, you know, not that long ago with, uh, I called him, uh, he came in to do a session actually singing on a record I was working on. But such but, a talented, know, like, talented guy, that guy is. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, he's got whatever, 150 Grammys or whatever. Yeah. He's, you know, yeah. he's, he's amazing. An amazing but, guitar, guitar player. And singer. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we just, yeah, and just around, you know, anyway, so, and, you know, like she was, there, it was just really obvious to me that Los Angeles was like, all these people that I had admired are there, you know, right. in this like circle. And so, you know, it's like, uh, I, you know, I, I, I definitely felt, you know, this is, this is awesome. And then from Judy, the people I met just like, there were like, it's about a three or four, you know, uh, chain, you know, uh, Kevin Bacon Oracle kind of thing. Right. <laughs> that to, to, Five degrees of separation. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> to, to like, you know, like to be in, you know, like being really, you know, reasonably successful, you know? Right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it was astounding how that was just like this series of good luck. Yeah. Wow. And um, so and- thanks, Tom. So yeah, 
<laughs> can can you imagine that happening today with anyone? Just like, you know, you know, take, taking a line off the internet and go, I might, I might just pursue that or whatever. Just reading, you know, reading something somewhere. I can't, you know, I mean, I, I, I see that, that, you know, that they, again, I mean, I see people are, uh, they, they try to, everybody tries to have uh, hope about it. I mean, I think partially, you know, it uses a marketing tool. Like I said yes. earlier, it's like, you know, but uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I don't know. And in, in the situation we're in right this minute, if, if any of that stuff will even come close to coming back, right. you know I mean? I mean, it's just a, I think that it's, it's kind of, uh, I mean, it, it, and even before the coronavirus where, you know, you can't go out and, you know, it, it's like, <laughs> I went to see a friend of mine, you know, uh, last year about this time. Guys, uh, well, I mean, I'll just say Dan Stewart, a guy I worked okay. with, but, uh, you know, I've worked with him on a bunch of levels of different things. Green, green on red? Green on and red, green, right. Yeah. You know, when I moved to L.A., you know, Robert Hilburn was writing very, you know, this glorious stuff about him in the L.A. time, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, it, it was like, uh, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, I met him much later we, and we worked on a bunch of different things. But, um, but you know, so he, he and a guy named Tom um, Heyman, Heyman are from, uh, God, what's Tom? Well, anyway, San Francisco, they were, they were doing a little tour. Right. I mean, I've not, I, you know, we, we, we followed Ray Charles with Green on Red at, at oh. Ross Kelder in Denmark, you know, one time. So, so I go like a year ago to see Dan and Tom at this little bar, you know, nice little tavern called uh, Montrose here in Chicago. And there's like four people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Besides, you know, besides uh, Violet and I and, uh, and you know, John Lankford, who's, you know, oh, like yeah. a really well-known Chicago yeah. musician. From the and, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Janet Bean, who's also well-known, you know, uh, uh, Chicago musician, but who booked the gig right. and then like there's four punters and that's it. You know, it's like, this is a year ago. So, I mean, you can't, you know, no, I can't imagine, you know, uh, I can't imagine. Cause I mean, the place that I went to hear Judy knee, then, you know, when I called her up out of the blue, you know, that place was packed, Right. you know, right. but uh, places aren't really packed so much for music anymore. At, at what point do you, do you realize or do you kind of or 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 do you consciously try and do more songwriting, more or- orchestrating, more helping artists out, which will eventually lead you into producing? When do, when does when and how does that happen? That that's a good interesting question. I think that uh I, and I don't not sure I know my personal answer to that. I mean, I saw um uh I I I guess I was really influenced by how well pete anderson set made the you know polished up the setting for dwight yoakam's talent okay i guess like seeing that firsthand seeing how that worked uh is really where i kind of although you know tell us tell us more about it elaborate on that if you can sure well um i I mean and and, and is this is this dwight's first album oh yeah absolutely uh, I think he had done some recording. Here's, here's, well, first of all, uh, I, I'll, I'll use this opportunity to tell what, you know, it's pretty, I think a pretty funny story about uh, Please. how I, how I met Dwight or how it worked. Uh, so P, 
Pete was, uh, I, I didn't know who he was, but all right. So I get to California. I start playing around Redondo beach is where I, where I am. And, uh, and so there was a woman named Claudia Nygaard and, 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 she, you know, she was doing pretty well. She's still out there, you know, mm-hmm. doing the thing, songwriter. Um, anyway, she was d- doing reasonably decently and we we're playing a, a club in the Valley and this guy comes to sit in, a guy named Pete Anderson playing guitar. I and mean, he was obviously really good, but everybody was all on Twitter because, Oh, it's Pete Anderson. Yeah. Like, everybody had a high regard for it. But, uh, and he had been out there, I mean, a few years. He's from Detroit, but so I'm, uh, he comes and sets in. A couple weeks later, I get a phone call. It's like, hey, this is Pete Anderson. He said, yeah, I, you know, we played together, you know, I said, and he said, yeah, I like the, uh, I, I like the way you play, but, you know, I really like the way you look and I want you to meet uh, this guy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, is that, is that good or bad? <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, I like the way you look. I was like, okay. So, so he, he says, yeah, there's this guy, Dwight Yoakam. And he's like, he lives up in Hollywood, you know, give him a call. Say, okay, call him. Dwight says, yeah, you know, come on up, whatever. Come on up on Tuesday evening. And so I drive up from Redondo beach, which, you know, uh, was, you know, at, at that time, in those days, you know, maybe 40 minutes on a good day you know, yeah. to drive up on the freeway. And, uh, you know, it's probably four or five miles. So it's 40 minutes. Yeah, about that. Um, and so I go up and, and I, you know, he lives up in the Hollywood Hills. And so, you know, carry my base in the hardwood case up, up the, you know, uh-huh. 27 steps up, yeah. you know, uh, to, to his little bungalow. And, and he's in there and he goes, yeah, man. He goes, uh, uh, hey man, uh, you set my base down. He goes, you, you mind running me down to the grocery store for a minute? <laughs> I was like, cool. So I, you know, we. Is it just my you guitar. two guys? Is, is is it just you and Dwight? Yeah, just me okay. and Dwight at yeah, his yeah. place, right? Yeah. And so I set my guitar down, and we go down and get in my car to drive him down to the grocery store. You know, half a mile away, and I turn on the car, and you know, like I'd been on the freeway driving. And so my cassette deck, you know, was like blast. Yeah, yeah, know, like yeah. Blasting, you know, like 112 dB or yeah. whatever of, you know, I was listening to the thrugs on the way there. And he goes, you're hired. That's it. <laughs> Wait, listen, <laughs> listening to who? Flattened Scrubs. Okay. So it comes blasting out of the speakers, you know, uh, you know, Earl Scruggs banjo. Yeah, yeah. So it comes blasting out of the speakers, of, you know, really loud. And he's like, you're hired. That was it. That was my audition. <laughs> <laughs> Took him to the grocery store. That in a quart of milk. Back up, got my bass, and went home. You know, I'll see you Sunday night at the at the gig. No rehearsal. You know, never met any of the guys besides Pete. Right. And showed up, and that was the band that you know that we you know uh, ended up you know that the, you know my first gig was you know like <laughs> no rehearsal, and the last gig with him was the Grammys. You know. Wow. Was, it was like unbelievable. But it was uh, so. Anyway, but was he signed? The, was he signed to a record label at that point? No, or? no. In but, fact, we got we got fired from a couple of gigs for not being country enough. So Pete An- Pete Anderson is just is, is sees talent, sees potential, and right. Is that it? Yeah. He, again, he liked the way I looked. You know, right. <laughs> right. as part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he he had an opinion of that. You know, whether I could play or not, but. Uh, 
but I don't think that was the major, uh, that was not the major criteria, but, but that, I mean, it was from that level. So we're talking basically about the, I mean, the, the producer thing, he had a lot of say, Pete had a lot of say about focusing Dwight's, uh, um, energies and, and even his, you know, like, cause the, the I mean, at the time country music was very pop oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, uh, I mean, there, and, and so, um, you know, was it was, and, and we did much. You know, our first gigs with Dwight, we were playing with the gigs we were doing were not so much. I mean, we did these country gigs, right? Uh, but like I said, we got fired. You know, it's like you guys are not playing "Wind Beneath My Wing," you know, right. <laughs> right. you know whatever. And uh, so, the you know, Dwight's like, uh, you know, well. You know, he'd been to Nashville already. He'd been to L.A. and then gone to Nashville and and came back to L.A. because he didn't, you know, Nashville wanted nothing to do with him. So uh, Pete's like, you know, fuck this. Let's just play with rock bands. And so, you know, so we started playing with Los Lobos and the Blasters and and then, you know, like Lone Justice and, you know, the sort of Cal punk scene. um, but it was like, it was, that was really the move. And um, it, it was kind of, I always kind of felt it was unfortunate that it didn't stay more in that bag than, you know, you know, like actually getting a Nashville deal. I mean, and doing the whole kind of country thing, it was a lot more f- fun to me playing, <laughs> playing, you know, gigs with the blasters than it was playing at these, uh, some cornfield in Nebraska, right. which, you know, you know whatever. So, so when you talk about Pete Anderson focusing, so you're watching this guy produce an artist. So, what are you, um, what are you noticing? It, 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 anything about the songwriting craft? Anything about um, presentation, or what? What is it that you're noticing? Right, mostly it was mostly about presentation, about how you know, uh, uh, just groove, you know, and uh, and orchestration. And right. of course, you know, we're, at, at that I realized, you know, at that time that we were kind of following a pattern. I mean, that's, I mean, it was like classic, sort of classic Bakersfield. It's like, you know, you know, wasn't at that, you know, at that point in the game, I mean, later it became, it's not, he's not going to, you know, put a, you know, electric sitar on, on, you know, like on the first right. record. Cause it was, you know, it was, it was really bit to be that sort of hard kind of California combo sound, which, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, it was, um, uh, it, it wasn't very experimental in a way. I mean, it was, you know, it was more, uh, uh, cause I'm all, you know, been interested in, spe- in experimental music right. for a long time too, yeah. but, uh, um, it, this, this was like fit, fitting a, a reasonably tight genre. Right. And so that was really interesting to me how, how, uh, you know, uh, you know, it was, uh, the term fueled up i think right. I th- that's what yeah i think dwight would say you know it was like how it was kind of you know uh um it was you know they were they were trying to hone something to a certain point which i i thought pete anderson did really really well yeah. and you know it could come down to like uh wasn't gosh in that case it wasn't so much like uh to jeff donovan oh you know could you play you know a, a triplet on the hi-hat or whatever it was right. you know it was more like uh because it's interesting jeff uh really good drummer you know he's a he's a but he's he's you know uh, like he's i think now uh, he's 
happy. He's got a, like a, I think he's got like a hard bop thing going, you right, know, and that's, right. that's really what he was into, you know, right. That's what, that was his sense of shuffle, but, but, uh, sounds, sounds to me like, um, you're all very open and accepting of other influences and genres. And it's sort of the birth of this, like you said, cow punk scene or alternative country, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I mean, yeah, it's, and you know, now those, you know, cow punk was definitely the, the term that got thrown around then alternative, you know, the alternative country thing comes that, that label comes much later. Right. But I think that, I think that, uh, you know, that Dwight certainly was, uh, uh, was, you know, a player and in influence in like that whole, you know, those kind of Americana or, you know, alt country kind of, uh, those pe- people who later came to turn to, to, uh, you know, define those, you know, who like journalists who define those terms. As terms. Right. Uh, the, the, another one that comes to mind would be like Lucinda Williams. Right. Uh, and, you know, actually, uh, I went and did some gigs with Lucinda right after we got done with the silos record. Yeah. Yeah. The, I guess I could, we can call that a silos record. It was released for like a couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> why don't why don't we talk about that for a minute? Um sure. and um I've written I've written extensively in, in my blogs. I've I've let it all out. Right. I've I've read I've read some of your yeah. I read where you didn't enter the uh this, this guy sucks out of your blog yeah. so much. <laughs> I was re- I, I was very complimentary of you though, JD. No, that was very nice. I, I saw that. I, I mean, I was kind of you know, I was kind of shocked. <laughs> um, so, but do you want to do you, that? That was um, actually, believe it or not, it's going to be thirty years in September. Crazy, thirty crazy. years. Do you want to do you want to set it up for us and just tell just tell us how you came to the silos and you know just some of your impressions? Sure. Um, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear yours someday too. I, I don't know that. I mean, I've, I have heard them, but it, like you said, it was thirty years. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> but um, you know, I well, I was living in Austin, Texas at the time, and um, and uh, which was a really interesting time. And you know, uh, but uh, I had heard my friend Jody Dinberg, who's you know still really an influential DJ there, had a Sunday night show, and he played what interested him kind of new music and i heard cuba yeah great uh, great great records yeah great the second silos record yeah correct yeah second right yeah i think so and uh and so i thought man this is really you know really really great record and then i'm not exactly sure how it came about but i got a call from uh Gosh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I don't. I'm not even sure who called me, but I was going to be in New York uh, with a guy named David Halley, who I was playing with at the time, and and my friend Richard Brother, Rich Brotherton, mm-hmm. who's a great guitar player, and 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 Rich and I went over to like the music building, I think it was, you know, over on Thirtieth Street, yeah, and and uh, we're going to sit in with Bob and 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 Walter. Nice. And Kenny was there. I don't think you were. Were you there at that? I don't, I don't think, think I was were. there. I'm not sure. I think Walter played drums. In fact, okay. I think at this little, it was like a jam session. It wasn't. Right. It was no. It wasn't. I mean, I don't. It wasn't I don't know. An, an audition it, per se, but just it to didn't, get, it get didn't together. Seem like it. It didn't seem like it. They were. I mean, there was some hint at that. 
oh, we're thinking about making a record. And, and, you know, it's like, well, I really liked your, you know, last record. And so I went over, you know, basically had, you know, an, an evening off in New York. Like I said, I was living in Austin at the time. And, and then, uh, uh, and just went over and jam for an hour or two. And then I, you know, then later, I guess, uh, I think, I guess, I think Reynolds got, Jim Reynolds got in touch with me, I think, and said, Hey, we're making a record in Florida. You want to come do it? So it was just, uh, uh, and I did, I, I don't even know how they heard of, I don't know how they knew about me. I mean, I know Bob later, much later, you know, uh, like, uh, like pretty not, you know, reasonably recently um, right. told me about how they'd come, they'd seen the, Houston, the, the true believers in Houston. I guess that's right. where they knew about me. It was, uh, but I had no idea. Nobody, they didn't come up and say, hey, how's it going? At the time, we're at the silos, right. none of that. But then uh, I got this call to go play with them in, in New York and, and I guess got the gig. <laughs> do, you have any, do you have any key you know, memories or anything that still strikes you about either making the record or the music or? Well, I was, I was a, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you would concur that that was really interesting. First of all, it was an interesting way to make the record. Yeah, I mean, very, very. You know, you know, Peter Moore had this thing, but through the Cowboy Junkies success, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, obviously turned out to be a little bit of a one trick pony. Right. Um, the Cowboy Junkies thing worked really well. And then I don't think, that method really, I mean, that, that method has been used. I mean, that was interesting to me. I mean, that method has been used, you know, kind of on a, you know, one from column A, one from column B kind of thing, you right. know, certainly like to be ambient, but. Uh, do you think and, it, uh, do you think it fit the silos that. Uh, I think that in a couple cases on that record, there's a couple things that are really good, really, really good. Uh, uh, you know, I, um, gosh, uh, that's all right if you don't remember that, but but yeah, yeah. It, it 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 seems like you, titles. <laughs> you can't necessarily you can't necessarily take you know the technique that you use from with the cowboy junkies and just slide it over you know right. I don't think yeah exactly because the cowboy junkies were that I mean guys their name almost and tells tells the story there. It was like yeah. they're this really kind of you know uh, very broad uh, sound that worked beautifully and right. you know sitting at a church playing with yeah, yeah. the ambience and, and and i think a couple of things uh uh you know uh, uh what's it called the, the ballad with amy oh um think about you oh, i love you yeah. truly or something like yeah. that yeah yeah i think yeah. that it was really gorgeous yeah you know? i thought that really was a nice recording oh that's called that's called the only story i tell the only story i tell yeah. exactly yeah yeah Sorry about that. I'm, I'm no, <laughs> I can be bad with titles. No, no worries. <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, and then you know, uh, were you JD? You know, at, were you ever at any point in the making of that record thinking, "Oh well, I, I would if I were producing this record, I would do it this way or that way"? Were you? Oh, yeah. There were several times I would have done some, some things differently. Were you ever sure. vocal about it, or were you just like, uh, "No, I'm just going to shut my mouth"? Or oh, I felt or, I, no. I, I, I definitely. Uh, in that case, it just felt like a high done. Uh, right. I, I kept my, I kept my mouth closed. I might have said something to you about it at the time too, because <laughs> yeah. we were rubies, yeah. basically. Yeah, sorry. But, yeah. You know, I mean, I was like, "Can you believe those fucking guys?" Right. <laughs> I might have said that a time or two, but uh, 
you know, uh, you know, it's a, uh, I, I could, I, and then I later found out, you know, I kind of see, you know, I saw, I worked with Robert Ray a, a couple of times, mm-hmm. you know, to play on the Vulgar Boatman record. And yeah. I could see how kind of the, that there was like a thing, you know, there. Yes. But, uh, yeah. but you know, I, I mean, it's, I didn't, I I, I, no, I didn't feel like it was my place to make any suggestions, but I, I certainly made some mental notes. I mean, I certainly, right. uh, I mean, it was, I was a really good part of, uh, I mean, it was a really, I thought a, a great um, experience and, and, and certainly educational. Didn't yes. you find it so yourself? Yes, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It wasn't until later, just like yourself, that I, that I realized that, <clears throat> you know, Walter and Bob were gleaning from a very narrow influence, you know, in the right. vulgar boatman and they're trying to come back home to something that I don't know that it's, it's difficult sometimes as a as a side musician to kind of get into the psyche of where they're going, no no matter who it is. Like what like what are your right. influences? You really got to get get in. If, if if people don't tell you and lay it out for you, there's no way for you to guess. Wouldn't wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. And that touches on. I mean, first of all, absolutely in the this particular case yeah. with the Silos record, because uh, I mean I remember. I'm quite sure you and I discussed it and you and I and Kenny discussed it. Kenny Margolis, that is yeah, discussed yeah. it several times where like, cause those guys wouldn't even say anything to each other. They just kind of like, <laughs> you know, bat your eye twice. I know. I know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so they're talking like, what the fuck are these guys on about? And they knew what they were, they knew what their experience was. Right. And that's really like you say, I mean, going back to the production craft, what you're saying there is absolutely true. You, I mean, I think that that's a big part of being a producer is trying to get in that, you know, that, that and it's really can be difficult to do to get in that headspace with the songwriter or the songwriters because, you know, they were in the van in Anchorage when they couldn't, you know, get to the next gig or whatever. I mean, it's like there's this camaraderie, this, this, uh, you know, this, this tribal thing that happens that as a producer, you need to eat at least understand, you know, understand it exists. Yes. You know, it, it, you know, if not try to try to, you know, be an honorary member for a few days, you know, uh, there's so much context that's important that if you're not, you know, privy, it, it, it could be akin to the, you know, if you don't know it, it's akin to the producer, just pressing the talk back and going, okay, do it again. Right. Can or like it more purple okay, or whatever. Okay. 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 What did you guys think? Yeah, <laughs> that was oh, good. Yeah. What did you guys think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Number one on the. Like a, <laughs> yeah, we, one on the producers. That, you know, like, right. Uh, right. Right, we, right. We can make a top 10. <laughs> number yeah. one would be, what yeah. do you got? What did you guys think? That was yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, so, so can you, can you talk? So you've worked with a lot of, you know, I've, I've done, I've done some research and you work with so many great artists. And can you talk? Can you talk about the Calexico record you did? Sure. Uh, and, um, and and do you know the origins of how they decided on doing that love song, a song uh, by, by the band Love? Oh, I'm not sure how they uh, how they decided to do that. Uh, um, I know Joey Burns in particular is a real student of you know of music in general and pop music. In fact, uh, I, uh, I was, I went to see Victoria Williams was playing, mm-hmm. um, at, uh, a show at the, actually at the winter garden in the world trade center. 
They used okay. to have these summer, yeah. you know, free concerts and, and, um, and I guess who, I don't know who, how I, Oh, well, you know, a couple friends of the friends of mine were playing with Victoria, mm-hmm. like, uh, Don Heffington. Yeah. Drummer from LA and, uh, and Stephen McCarthy, who was, you know, a guitar player from, he was in the Long Riders. Mm-hmm. Still is in the Long Riders, actually, who I knew back in the LA days. So I went to hear Victoria and, and Joey Burns was playing bass. And it's like, I, you know, uh, either got Don or Steve is like, he got to introduce me to that guy. He's really great. Uh, I didn't know him at all. And um, so, uh, you know, we talked and he's from, uh, he's from, uh, Palos Verdes, which is right up the hill from where I live a long time in Redondo Beach. And okay. so we chatted and stuff. And and then uh, I guess I went out to Tucson with Dan to make some stuff and, and uh, uh, to, to do some recording and then got tighter with, uh, you know, hung out with uh, Joey and, and John. And I, I went over to John's house when they were making the Spoke record before they became Colexico they okay. basically I think I think it might they might market it as Colexico now and just you know you call the title spoke but it was just right. the two guys and so you know we kept in touch they uh um when I uh started working with Richard Buckner it's like uh it's like he uh he asked me you know how I feel about working with the Colexico guys making it, uh, the first record I made with him it's like absolutely right. you know who could ask for a better band? Yeah. You know? And so, you know, we got tight work and, uh, you know, they, they came in and, and I, I'd seen them around and I was, you know, working a good bit in Tucson. And, uh, and, and so, uh, they, you know, Joey called me when they're going to make the record, uh, the garden ruin record. He called me because basically they did very well by themselves with Craig Schumacher in 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 Tucson I mean again they they use a lot of the, the methodology that that uh, Peter Moore was using with uh with the silos I mean, right. a lot of ambience I mean you know John John's happy to have one you know sure SM57 hanging over the drums sure. you know and, and he'll make and the drums <clears throat> yeah. will sound great believe me if he's playing them you know with one microphone they're gonna sound great but uh so they you know but they had been told by their German record label that they needed some radio play. And so Joey called me, we talked for an hour and a half probably on the phone about this. He's like, can, can you help me? Can you help us get a radio record? And I said, well, I can't, you know, I think that, I don't think anybody can tell you that they can get you a radio hit. (laughs) I mean, they can tell you that. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) What do you guys think? But, but you know, yes, I can make the. I know how to do what it takes to make the production value more. You know, more towards that, right? Because I mean, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to define this. But the more amorphous, uh, like the, like the Buckner record that we worked on, Devotion and Doubt, which I think is a great, great record. But you know, I've been in a bar where it's it's on, and it's just it's so ambient and and. Um, then some there's some sounds that are so amorphous that it just gets lost you know what right. i mean it's like it doesn't i mean you know whereas you know if you listen to uh whatever uh, <laughs> a record from you know what what would be a hit record from that those times i i don't know you know like 
records really some jet records they're super bright and they jump while the speakers right. ready yes. by the throat yeah you know yeah. sonically uh of course that's not what calexico i don't know i mean uh I, I feel good about the record that I made with them, but it, you know, but it costs a lot more money than they, than they usually spent making their records. And I don't mm -hmm. think that it's, that it uh, helped them. I mean, I, I heard it on the radio uh, in Europe, uh, the, the song. I heard, cool, uh, I heard it here. Yeah. Uh, I heard it on uh, WFUV in New York. Right. Fordham, right. Fordham University Station. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Rita Houston. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, of course they certainly, them and the, uh, what's the station in in uh, in uh, in uh, New Jersey? The uh, uh, FMU. Yeah, FMU. I mean, they were obviously were yeah. playing Calexico, banging Calexico right. all day long. From, but you know, of course, uh, they they play a lot of music that's difficult <laughs> to define. Or you know. I've got I've got one question about. Uh, th there's a very Mexican, you know, influence on that. Mm -hmm. You know, with the with the trumpets and right, 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 acoustic guitar, and was that. A, you know, well, I think I think that's just where they that's really where they're I mean, the name Calexico is, you know, says it all there. I mean, right. that's a board. That's a small, small border town, you know, right on the collect on the California, Mexico border, you know, uh, like in near Tecate, you know, right. and uh, and it's like um, so, I mean, I think that the, that that's just that's a function of those guys, uh, you know, being in the in in the desert and and uh, they have jacob valenzuela has been a, a member for a long time and he's right. a great trumpet player who's you know who's uh, i mean I'm, i don't know if jacob jacob was probably born in in, a, in arizona but certainly none of his <laughs> none of his uh forefathers right. they're all from mexico and so there's you know this i mean i think that it's part of the band's uh uh dna that sort of mexican stuff and yeah. enjoy and, and uh joey grew up in in Southern California and, and certainly was no stranger to, you know, certainly Mexican American culture. Right. But. I remember you turning me on to, uh, now I'm going to re for, forget her name, a great Mexican. Lydia Mendoza. Uh, uh, like the folks. Actually, well, if I could just back up, I mean, you, I remember you turned me on to a lot of great music when, when we were doing the Silas record, um, I'll, I'll remember her name soon. Trish. Oh, and oh, Trish Hinojosa. Yes. Hinojosa. Yes. yes. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, because I, I played on a record of hers that Steve Berlin produced in right. Austin, probably not long before we did the Silos record. Right. I remember we listened, listening to that and listening to that Lucinda Williams record. Right. First Rough Trade record. Yeah. A lot, a, you know. Killer record, obviously. Killer. But, yeah. Can, can we talk about one more one more band? And I, I, I think I whatever you're gonna wrap it up about this. Uh, sure. Uh, about this time. Um, I've been listening to your uh, your album with Anna Anna Coogan. Is it? Oh, interesting. And well, um, you did some research. Yes, I did. <laughs> and um, first, do, do, before I ask any specifics, do you want to just set? You did you record that in Ithaca? Or you're 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 on the yes. East Coast at this point? And right, you know, I lived in New York for almost 30 years right uh but i was having a you know a big kind of personal catharsis my kind of um, i i was crashed a hidden bottom in, in right. kind of every single way um and uh so uh, uh I, I'm, anna had i had produced a record for anna oh i don't know about 
three years earlier and it was cool. I, you know, I liked her music and stuff and we played a few gigs and, and she's like, why don't we, why don't we, you know, start, why don't we see if we like write some songs together? So, uh, I was, you know, basically going up to Ithaca partially to just, you know, like get out of New York, <laughs> New York city anyway. And, uh, and, um, so yeah, we, we just, uh, got together and started writing some songs and then had enough stuff to like, well, maybe we should just put a, uh, make a record. Right. So yeah, we worked up in Ithaca at a, this great, uh, electric Wilburland. The guy calls the studio. It's a really nice little, <laughs> little church about 10 miles outside of Ithaca. Was his name Wilbur? Yes, it is. His name is Will. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I I was really enjoying Paper Sales. Do you remember, you remember that song? Oh yeah. Say again. I was really enjoying Paper Sales. It's kind oh, of oh yeah yeah. I really like that. I really like that song too. Uh, it's that's I think that's that's probably the best tune on that record. And um, uh, and that I really I love that uh, that drummer Brian Wilson. Not sounded not the, yeah. Not, not, the guy, <laughs> not the guy with the sandbox. No, there's there's a there's a tune where you guys kind of like jam. You're just doing like a, a hold where everybody's just jam, and, and the the drummer sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's he a, sounds great. Yeah, he's a, he's a really excellent drummer. He's a you know uh, he's from Boston, but he's lived in Ithaca for a long time. There's he plays a lot with a guy named John Dowd, who's mm-hmm. a really interesting character. Ithaca's got a really rich music scene for being such a small town. Yeah, um, sounds like it. Yeah. Did and, you did you co-write those songs or did you are you co- Yes, are I co-wrote helping shape uh, them? several of them and and uh, I think a couple I wrote. And I'm not that's not my big strength uh as a songwriter. However, uh you know, I I'm, I'm actually it's funny. I am going to talk really just I'm going to sidetrack just a second here, Go but I'm it. working with uh I'm working with a guy um uh who's Joseph Morganfield who goes by the name of Mojo and he's Muddy Waters' youngest son. Oh my goodness. And we started, he's an interesting character. He's, he's like, I guess in his fifties and has been, you know, was a lineman for the County in fact, for a long time. Wow. And uh, has, you know, been more and more trying to get into, he's got a really great voice, but we've been writing some stuff together and, you know, been um, hanging out. It's just, and being, you know, cause uh, Violet made friends with him actually. And so, so that's an interesting thing I'd love to chat about at some other point possibly about like Chicago the Chicago blues tradition which is yes. you know interesting in and of itself and I think Chicago is it doesn't really uh milk that the way they could they I don't right. think they pay enough I don't I don't think there's enough uh, uh of you know validity and kind of uh juice that's been given that considering how you know like whatever if you if you go into if you go to any musician in the world i think that you know it's a it's it's a much uh it's a much bigger right influence than than you know chicago itself pays to it yeah right that's right I, no i've so many rock well and said. rollers so many so many musicians have paid homage to chicago and delta blues yeah. right yeah so it seems that look, looking back in this conversation, it seems that wherever you've been, you've you've done your best to absorb the local, well, whether it's Ithaca, Orlando, or LA. You've absorbed the local music scene and and the 
the yeah. essence of the music. I mean, I think that's that's interesting that you kind of glean that from the wiki page, and that's I, and that's kind of it's interesting because I that's perceptive, and I think that's really true. I, I you know, I I don't uh, I don't uh, I, I didn't think that way so much, but I feel like I do. That's exactly how I think. <laughs> Just be you know, it's interesting you point that out because I think it's really you know, I mean, I think ultimately. Um, you know, good good musicians or people who are serious about musicians are are ultimately students, don't you? I mean, right. of, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's the whole. That's what gives you joy about it. Is like, wow, that's something I, that's new. Uh, um, I am always finding the 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 sliver of some sort of genre that that um, that I never knew about. Something in 1979 or some, yeah. a Smith's record that, or, you know, uh, that, that I didn't know about or Modern Lovers record. It's just, sure. just something. And I'm going like, how did I miss this? You know? Right. Sure. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and there's, and it's, I mean, there's it's so vast, of course you're going to, you know, uh, of course there's stuff that's good. I mean, uh, you know, I, I spent a, it's, it's interesting. It's like, <laughs> it's a good segue here. I spent a bunch of time in the uh, mid two thousands, like, going to Italy, uh, right. which, I, I, and, you know, and I mean, there's an incredible pop culture in Italy that uh, I didn't, um, I had no idea about Fabrizio De Andre, who's like, I mean, I don't know if you know him or not. No, guy, no I don't. I mean, this guy's like, you know, thought of as like the Bob Dylan by people, like musicians that are kind of on, on your, your, on our level of, right. you know, like uh, of investment, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's like, He's, you know, made probably 200 sides or something. I mean, go check him out. Fabrizio DeAndre is like, we'll do know, it. like Fabrizio DeAndre. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's probably less, you know, unless you understand Italian a little bit, it's probably, I mean, you know, it's like, you'll hear musical. I mean, you'll hear that, that it, that's, you know, right. It, it sounds like, uh, you know, I mean, they're, you know, it's influenced by American pop music, of course, and, you know, the production, but, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, but it, it's, it, it, and, and I first, I did this project in Sicily, really intelligent guys. I mean, this guy, Fabio Rizzo has got this little label in, in uh, Palermo. And I mean, go, go look at uh, 800A records. I mean, go look at his catalog. Okay. You'd love, I mean, he's got, you know, uh, he's got, uh, he makes these really interesting records and, um, and they're, and they're great. I mean, uh, um, Il Pan del Diablo, great band. I mean, they're not really, uh, they're on hiatus right now, but great band from, from Palermo. And <laughs> I go to Palermo and I figured, oh, you know, like, like these, uh, these Sicilians are going to have a, a whole different take. Right. And boy, I mean, they, they, they knew more about like alternative American music than most Americans that I knew. To, isn't it, me, isn't it know? humbling? It's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how uh how vast you know and you know how how music travels you know right. and, and how powerful it is you know yeah but uh and um you know the internet certainly helps you know the i mean you know obviously you can go on youtube and find an example of pretty much anything you want uh you know uh, to, from <laughs> you know <laughs> whatever charles ives to the archies you know i mean the uh, only thing i'm missing on the internet is and this goes back to your record store days. I grew up reading album jackets. Uh, absolutely. That's how I learned. I, I had no idea. What is it? What is a, what does mastering mean? 
What is yeah, a exactly. what is a producer? Does anybody do? really know the answer to that? Who is, right. <laughs> <laughs> Who is what was the name? Bob Sterling or Bob yeah, Ludwig yeah, and uh, yeah, Bob, Bob you know. Ludwig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who's George yeah. Marino? Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. Uh, and um, yeah. <laughs> and just reading the album credits and and whatnot is 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 um the, something I'm missing on the internet. JD, as we wrap it up, is there do you have do you have any unfinished business? Is there anything that you feel like you haven't done that you really want to do? Well, I, I'd, I'd like to answer that by saying, I don't know yet what you yeah. got. <laughs> <laughs> What's the offer? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, like, it's like, yeah, you know, uh, probably. Yeah. But that's, <laughs> but, 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 but that's pretty much what you've been doing your entire career. You're very yeah. open, right? You're very yeah, open and willing open to, you know, uh, open to what kind of vibes bounce my way i guess you well know? are you are you open to fixing some of my crummy songs <laughs> send them on <laughs> you know I, you know we actually you, you sort of you sort of suggested uh, yeah once a, a few months uh, what a year and a half ago that maybe, yeah uh, work on some stuff i mean i'd love to do that i'd, I'd work with you anytime man That's yeah awesome. no some, some sometimes i feel like when i come up with like lo these little seedlings that they're not worthy of passing on, or I just want to let them stew a little bit, or oh, you know, yeah. you know. I hear you. I mean, you know, I've, i you know, what I've been doing lately to keep myself interested is like I've been working with a bunch of like oscillators and filters right. and shortwave radio and building instruments with tin cans and springs with contact pickups on them. I mean, just ridiculous noise. Sounds but, like Harry Parch. Well, it's not quite—it's not quite that sophisticated, and my carpentry is not quite as good as his. <laughs> not by a long shot. Uh, and but um, anyway, you know. But it's just—and I, I mean, there's no reason for me to be doing this. I mean, it's like if it, any of it ever sees the light of day, you know. Right. Who, you know, but uh, but that's not—you know. I mean, as you know, music is is a strange uh, motivator. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I f I feel like. Um, I tell, I tell this story a lot, but I'm friends with a lot of my kids' parents. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Of by, course. Yeah. By way of my kids. Yeah. And some of the dads are very into um, sports, fantasy football, fantasy baseball. They, mm -hmm. they they get into the weeds about their players, who did what during you know, and um, all I can think of is thank thank goodness I'm a musician. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Music, music keeps me going just like fantasy football keeps these guys going, but music is so much better in my opinion. Of course. I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, I can appreciate sports. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, I go to, go to baseball games course, occasionally. Because, it's great. You know, but, but it's like, yeah, it's great. And it's, and it's interesting, but it's like, it's not, I mean, I, you know, but I, I don't think about it when I'm, <laughs> when I'm not sitting there. Right. You know, no, no, like, your your tin can, your Rube Goldberg setup or whatever is, yeah. is is what is what keeps is what keeps you going at this point, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um for sure. JD, we're going to wrap it up there. I want to I want to thank you so much for for being here and oh, yeah. how great it was to talk to you. I can't I can't even tell you. Yeah, man. Well, back at you. Thanks for calling me and and you know, uh, don't be a stranger. I mean, I know you got a you're I mean, we're all juggling a lot of craziness right now, but, you know, you know stay we, in touch. We, we will definitely stay in touch. Before we go, is there any way for listeners to get in touch with you? 
Sure. Uh, you could, you can find me at Facebook. Uh, there's, I have, uh, uh, I, should I give you the, the, if you I'm feel comfortable, whatever, whatever you feel oh, comfortable sure. with, you I know? mean, you know, I mean, you know, you can certainly drop me an email at jdfost at gmail.com. That's, uh, anybody who wants to get in touch with me and, and, uh, and I have a, 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 you know, like a, an artist page on Facebook, which, okay. you know, leave me a message there. Or, I mean, I think my Facebook page is pretty much, uh, J.D. Foster is pretty much uh, open to anybody. So, you know, anybody can drop me a, a message. If, uh, in fact, some people have, you know, right. gotten in touch with me that way. Uh, the, in fact, the, the Sicilians that I talked about, they got in touch with me through Facebook. That's ultimately. so great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, J.D. Great talking with you. Great to see you. And we'll have to catch up on all the other bands you've worked with. And we'll have to do a part two at some point. You're, yeah, I'd be happy to do it. It was, it was a real blast. All right. See you, Brian. Thank you, Thanks a lot. Take care, Thanks. man. Okay. Bye-bye. Ciao. Well, folks, we're going to leave it there for today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please remember to subscribe. You've been listening to Friends and Music with me, Brian Doherty. Today's intro and outro music were provided by me and my band Treat and Release, which is available on all streaming services. To learn more about me and my work, I can be found on all social media platforms or by visiting my website at briandohertydrummer.blogspot.com. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.